I'm Ra Key and this is the My Small Business Life podcast. Every week we talk to small businesses from a diverse range of backgrounds to understand what it's really like to be your own boss. From startups to scale-ups, if you work in a small business or are thinking of starting one, we will be sharing our insights and advice about the realities of working for yourself. This week, I speak to Jesse Evans, jewellery designer and owner of the brand Jesse VE London Fine Jewellery. Jesse's clients include celebrities and her jewellery is stocked in London, New York and Los Angeles. Jesse Evans, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> the awkward bit I was talking about a few minutes ago. <laughs> you know what I'm going to start talking about, actually, before we go any further is? talking about being nervous about public speaking because nobody ever talks about it in business and you're meant to just accept it and it's meant to be and I've I've been public speaking in my job for about 15 years and I've never gotten over the nerves of it do you have to do much in what you in the job that you do at the moment luckily no <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember right right at the beginning, like a couple of months in, I got asked to do this kind of panel speaking kind of thing in Soho. And then when I got there, the panel weren't there and it was just me. (laughs) And I was being asked all these questions about business and I just launched. (laughs) I'd been a business for like three months. I still was working full time for someone else. And they were asking me all these questions. And I think that maybe that deepened the fear yeah yeah did it go okay though it it went okay yeah i I haven't watched it back oh there was one question they asked me and i was answering it and then halfway through forgot what they'd asked me and i just stopped and was like i don't know what i'm saying (laughs) i think it's all right to say i'm sorry i've completely lost my train of thought yeah i wish i'd done that i wish i'd been more kind of like me if i was talking to my mates completely lost the plot but uh, I was all polite and um, I just sort of sat there awkwardly and my eyes just got wider. (laughs) (laughs) The fear. People say it gets, I have an out of body experience every time I have to speak publicly and even doing these podcasts beforehand, I have to do kind of a grounding exercise. So I don't make the person I'm talking to really awkward and nervous. Yeah. And people have said, in the early days, people said, oh, you just have to practice with public speaking and it gets better and better. But I've given entire talks where I can't remember what I've said. Uh, the moment I've left, uh, it's terrifying. That is terrifying. But people don't talk about it in business enough. And I think these days, because there are so many more entrepreneurs and so many more self-employed people, I think there's an expectation that you have to be this extroverted, confident Um, public speaker. And I think it's a really big pressure, especially if you come from a creative background, because you like being creative and doing that, and then you're expected to do all these other things. There's so many things like that when you, when starting a business that you suddenly have to be good at, or you suddenly have to understand accounts. And so it's just one of many things, but obviously it's it's the public part that you're that you're supposed to understand 
do with yourself and stuff that people are going to see there's so much stuff that you're that behind the scenes you're also trying to work out but this is the one that people see which is unfortunate and especially when your name is the brand yeah they expect to hear a bit from the founder or do they expect to hear a bit from you so on your instagram page and stuff you do post a lot about your jewelry and some of the press releases and some of the famous people that wear your jewelry we'll come on to that in a second but yeah do you post much about yourself not really occasionally here and there i'll put something a bit about me on there or what i'm up to a lot of the stories are kind of because they disappear don't they yeah but for, for a really long time when i first launched it i kept myself out i kept myself really behind the scenes and and tried to make it just about the jewelry i think that's just like a insecurity kind of thing like you know, well, people won't buy it if they see me or if they see you know but you do have to put your own person it, it's your it's you isn't it everything that you are putting into your business is you so you do have to put a bit of your own personality into it and then i have realized that people do want to hear from me sometimes so it's just finding the balance i don't want to you know go overboard with um me 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 because it isn't about me i think you get the balance just right though and also i don't know many jewelry designers i have to say but you don't strike me as the typical jewelry designer yeah i think, I think that's why i kept myself out of the picture i see these you know a lot of jewelry designers they live in chelsea or wherever and their friends are their clients they're the same kind of they've all got the same kind of vibe whereas i think like you say i'm not your typical high fine jewelry designer but that's what i think is so brilliant and unique about you which is why people need to see a bit more about jesse i think to show that yeah. there is a different type of person because when you don't come from the same background as everyone else your product that you're creating is unique and different yeah i think like people that sound like me are more the people that would be making the things we're more the behind the scenes kind of guys like you know you can go into any jewelry workshop and it'll be you know geezers yeah. is that right? <laughs> like that's I, 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 they're my people do you mean Where, the guys that are like selling diamonds in hat and garden and stuff is it those uh, is yeah that, i guess yeah 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 a bit more you know they're just just, just londoners whereas the, obviously the face of, uh, is downtown abbey isn't it yeah but <laughs> so we need a bit of social mobility and we need different accents and backgrounds in all creative yeah. countries, which is why what you produce is so different to everybody else, I think. I hope so. Yeah. I remember um, when the first day I started uni to study jewellery, um, Jess, who is now you know, my best friend and she makes a lot of my jewellery, she kind of sidled up to me she, in, a, in the crowd, you know, when, the very first day, don't know anyone. She saw me and she thought, oh, because she's, she's from uh, Cheltenham. She's like a little posh girl. And she was like, oh, spotted me across the room. I was wearing a pashmina. She thought, oh, she's one of me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and she said that she, she actually like was shocked when I started to talk. Really? yeah <laughs> she was like i wasn't expecting 
that voice to come out of you? By which point she was stuck with me, so. Should we give her a little plug? Because she's a jewellery designer as well, isn't she? Jessica George Jewellery. And so you design it, but she actually makes the pieces yes. for you. Yes, she does. For the most part, it, it's kind of split between um, her and another guy. Just for, she's having babies. Just She literally had a baby two days ago, so. I saw that. Yeah. Another Noah. No, I know. The same, which is the name of my dog as well. It is such a good name. And the middle name um, is Asha, which is also a cut of diamond. Oh. You can always rely on creatives to come up with very beautiful names for children and pets. So when we first met, it was quite fun. I took to you straight away. We met in a social setting by mutual friends and then we were connected on social media and then one day I get this message in my inbox on Facebook or something and it says I've done my research on you (laughs) (laughs) that's the code for I've stalked you I've stalked you on social media (laughs) and you'd figured out that I coach businesses and then we met up and we had a conversation Mm -hmm. about this business so it's always exciting when you hear about things before they happen I think and you were working at the time for a well-known jewelry designer Mm -hmm. and you had the same concerns everyone does about leaving a established brand and doing your own thing but I think a lot of people go through the same kind of psychological thought processes So shall we talk a bit about making, and you don't have to name who you work for before, obviously, unless you want to, but should we talk a bit about what goes through your head when you think, hmm, I could do this for myself? Yeah, so it was, that was my first job from uni, and I, I, I loved it for the most part, but when you are designing jewellery that's not really your style, that you, you have to design in someone else's style. And then even when you really, really love something that you've created, someone else's name is on it. As a creative person, it's really stifling. And obviously I was doing my own bits and bobs on the side just for friends and family. And then I thought, oh, maybe I'll just try this. Let's see, I've had this idea. We got married that year and we were buying a house and it was all, everything was going on that year. So I'll start this and it can run alongside my full-time job while I build it up. And then let's see, like maybe, you know, in a couple of years, then I can go full-time with it and that'll be great. And then within like the first couple of months, it went nuts and I had to make the decision to leave my full-time job, which is crazy and was not planned but that's how it worked out. So when you say went nuts, tell me exactly what happened. So I launched in the October of 2015. And at the time, um, a friend of mine was working. She was a long time PA to Mel C, Sporty Spice. And then um, she said, do you want to like, give her a piece and I'll get a picture of her and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, she's a Spice Girl. <laughs> so, and then her makeup artist one day was like, oh my God, what is that, what is that ring? I love it. Do you know who will love one of those? Kylie. Uh, so I get a phone call. I'm at work, where I used to work. I'm at work. 
run up into the like lunch room like why are you ringing me what she said can you make a ring for kylie and i was like really <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> so that's how that kind of went a bit crazy on that side of things and then the people on facebook sharing things so share your business on facebook and you think my mum's sharing it nothing's gonna come of that like but bless her she's sharing like you know you, you kind of just don't expect that to go anywhere yeah but in my case I don't know if you know I'm a very lucky bastard and just things <laughs> just happened to me so my mum shared it and a cousin that I didn't um, I've got a really big family and there's tons and tons of cousins that I haven't even met and I don't really know and anyway this cousin this distant cousin happened to have started working for a jewelry magazine online and she said oh I'll I'll share this. Let me see if I can get a little article. And that was the first piece of press that I'd ever had. Uh, Cause I didn't know how you even went about it. I knew I could kind of use some of my contacts to get celebrities and whatnot, but the, the, the media side of things, no idea. So she shared that. And then I had a friend who has a shoe brand, amazing shoe brand. And she's been doing like fashion week for for years she'd set up a fashion week where all the buyers come round and the press and all that stuff she kept saying to me for years you need to start your own brand you need to do fashion week with me and all this stuff and then i get an email from fashion week do you want to do do you want to stand at fashion week and i hadn't applied for it it was because they saw the article in the magazine so it was just like a domino effect of just crazy things happening and them all kind of working out at the same time and I did the say yes work it out later thing yeah it's like I can't say can I say no to this I, I feel like I'm not ready I can't do it but what an opportunity so I said yes and yeah a month or so later I was had a stand at fashion week all my jewelry I had to quickly I had to I had to borrow back jewelry that belonged to friends and family that I'd made just to make enough of a collection to show it was that early on I, I had I didn't have the money to make the collection half the things that I had to make in like nine carat gold with CZs in just so I had something to show yeah and that's that's where it, it kind of from there started to get press and an interest and stuff and and that's where it kind of the decision to leave my full-time job and take this full-time was came from there so you didn't really have time to worry about any of that stuff did you leaving your full-time job because things seemed to happen so quickly yeah yeah there was obviously I still had the, the same worries of like what am I doing here is this going to be a huge mistake but I did I kind of realized I, I'd much rather be happy and struggling financially than miserable with a paycheck totally so that was kind of how i made that decision and obviously my husband was super supportive having he launched his kind of own business a couple of years previous to that and he was like i get it you can do it i can do it you can do it we'll figure it out it'll be fine so yeah even a, even a job just after getting a mortgage yeah I mean 
everyone that I speak to, whether it's for this podcast or not, has had to take a risk mm. at some point. And I think if you don't take it, you'll always be questioning what would have happened. You might still be in that job designing somebody else, you know, producing someone else's yeah. job. And as you say, being miserable is not really... Yeah. And it, I mean, it was great working there. I definitely, from uni couldn't have started on my own you have to get the experience in the industry and even to learn like what not to do that like, I saw certain things going on that like did not work right that doesn't work oh I oh, maybe I should go down that route um oh clients really love this like I, there was a lot that I learned from that like six years that I worked there so it was definitely worth doing that and having that job but it was it's, it wasn't for the long term I always thought oh I don't want to do freelance I don't like the stress of having to chase money but then after six years I was like maybe I do want that stress yeah well you change as well as you get older don't you so what happens when someone like Kylie Minogue is seen wearing your jewelry do you see an instant impact from that I think it depends on the kind of sector of fashion or whatever you're in whereas my friend with the shoe brand she can have a picture of a celebrity wearing her shoes and she can sell out people will go and buy the shoes I think because of the price point as well you know if it's a few hundred quid it, it's a different world the fine jewelry world is different and and most of the press and celebrity sightings that I have it's more for trust for clients trust you know it's more of like a oh that's a legitimate brand they're in vogue oh that's a legitimate brand look Kylie Minogue's wearing them they're not gonna scam me or whatever because you're spending a lot of money online it's a bit different now you know even just a few years ago people were so hesitant to spend money online it was like oh my god you don't buy fine jewelry that way but things have changed so quickly shopping online is just the norm now and people don't really hesitate to drop a couple of grand on a, on a website which is madness really when you when you look back but yeah so the the marketing and press and celebrity endorsements I guess yeah th that's what like it's it's not necessarily to directly impact sales instantly it's something that my my old boss would would not fully understand she she would put a picture of a ring in Tatler and expect that ring to sell and we say, no, 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 maybe that will happen. But what you really want from that ad is for people to go, oh, I like that. Let's go on the website and have a look at the other stuff. Let's go into the showroom and see what else they have and have chats with their friends. And that's kind of, it's more like a spreading of awareness than directly like, I want that. Make a phone call. Can I buy that kind of thing? But you do need it. It's There was a quote questionable because it's thomas jefferson and the, okay. <laughs> especially now especially in the current climate that's not that's not big up the slave traders and whatnot but and also the use of man in this quote like i'm hoping it's man as in you know um the man who stops advertising to save money is like the man who stops the clock to save time there's a quite 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 often I think brands when there's when they are struggling 
financially the first thing they'll drop is their PR representation or um, paying for advertisements or whatever and it's like but then you've taken yourself out you're 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 winking in the dark no one can see what you're up to so yeah that's what it that's what I, I use it for trust it's, it's an interesting point you made because just about every client I've ever worked with, when they run into a bit of trouble, they've stopped spending money on marketing. Yeah. It's like, it feels to them, because it's difficult to see immediate results and return sometimes from your marketing. Yeah. It feels like an unnecessary expense. Mm. And I'm constantly having a moan at them that they are actually doing themselves more damage than yeah. you I mean, in the lockdown, for example, I see some businesses who've gone one way in terms of stopping all marketing. And I'm thinking, how are you going to be relevant when we come out of lockdown? And especially in your industry, in fashion, it's so competitive. Yeah. I know that you did make a decision to invest in a PR person. Yeah. And that's not always a cheap no, I, I held off for a long time and I really tried to do it myself for a long time. So I launched in the October of 2015 and by the time it kind of got towards the end of the year uh, of 2016, I was like, I might need some help. Christmas is coming. Now's the time. But I met her actually at Fashion Week when I did Fashion Week. So that was another good thing that came out of that. I did actually she I think she got in touch with me before fashion week happened because I think when you sign up they send the press and everyone everyone or the list of all the details of everyone that's going to be there so she she had launched her PR company roughly the same time as me so she was scouting for new clients and said look I've just launched I can't afford this right now but I'll put you on my guest list and you can come and maybe you can find some other clients in the meantime, but it'd be good to like, just meet you anyway. So that was how we were introduced and we stayed and we found out we actually lived just up the road from each other. So then we kind of started to just hang out a little bit. Now she's like one of my really quite close friends. When it got down to it, I realized it was some time to bring her on board and she's been amazing. She has been amazing. I mean, some of the coverage that you've got, well, you tell me about some of the coverage that you've got through her because there's some pretty big brand names on there in terms of publications yeah. and things. She has got some amazing coverage, like to the point where now she'll send me, oh, you're in Vogue and, it, and it's, we're both kind of like, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's lost its impact. She's got such amazing <laughs> press for me that I've kind of like, I've seen it all now, almost. Yeah, she's she she got me a, an interview in Forbes while she had a newborn on her lap. Wow. She, she's just like she makes me feel like I'm so lazy. <laughs> but she's yeah, we've got we've had Vogue, we've had Vogue of all different kinds of um, Vogue Paris, Vogue British Vogue, Vogue Italia. Uh, we've had Tatla. Oh God, I don't. I can't even. It's incredible. Yeah, you you name it. We've we've had it, and she's also been amazing. I, I quite often, obviously not at the moment, but quite often will go to New York. My client base is 
I'd say 80% US. Yeah. So I've made it a point to at least once a year go over to New York and, and meet with the stockists and press over there. So she's been quite good at getting the meeting set up with, you know, all of the Vogues and, and whatnot over there. I keep saying Vogue. No, it's okay. I mean, if I were ever to be in Vogue, I would probably <laughs> be able to stop saying Vogue either. But so, yeah, like she's well, who else in the US? Mary Claire, GQ, L, everyone. She's set up meetings for me over there to go and um, just have a chat while I'm there. How did you get a US client base then? Did somebody buy something online? How did it happen? Do you know? It wasn't something I did on purpose. I think it's just the US buy into jewellery differently to the Brits. Well, I think the Brits are a lot more, how can I put it? The Brits are a lot more wary, I think. They'll, they'll go for the brands they know. They'll go for the Tiffany's and the Cartier's and if they're spending a lot of money. Um, whereas US, I've found the clients are more likely to spend money with smaller unknown brands. I think it's like, well, then less people will have this. I've got sure. something more unique. It, that seems to be their priority is, I like this, I want to buy it. Whereas I think the, the Brits are a bit more hesitant. Oh, I don't know. I, I've never heard of this brand before. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go with one that I do know. That's what I found anyway. I don't know if that's for everyone. But it just organically just happened to be a lot of, California a lot of New York yeah which also was funnily enough the the jeweler that I worked for before had the same kind of ratio of client base it was mainly US based so I don't know if it's sometimes it's like oh it's a cute little British brand that they want to invest in I don't know I don't know how it really equates to that but I think it's probably all of that isn't it it's Having yeah. something unique, and the Americans love British things, don't they? Yeah, I think so. It might, it, I, yeah, I can't quite. If I could put my finger on it, then I'd double down. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've got, so you actually have stores that stock your jewelry in New York and LA. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a few. There's three now in New York, one in LA. And then various like online bits and bobs. Yeah, I've just got a new one in Brooklyn, which is exciting. That's really very cute, exciting. Really cute store. Brooklyn is the coolest place in the world. It is. It really is. That's cool. Yeah. Have you found that online sales have improved or interest has improved in lockdown then? I've been pretty quiet. There's been a few bits and bobs, but I think it's been, you know, with a lot of people furloughed or not working and finance being a bit of a bit iffy. Sure. Fine jewellery is quite, it's, it's a luxury item, isn't it? It's not a necessity necessarily. No, um, there are but, a lot of bored rich people around the world right now. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, luckily, so for, obviously where everything had to shut, all of my um, workshops had to close. So I couldn't really push sales because I couldn't make them. Sure. Whatever, whatever people ordered, I wouldn't be able to make. There would be, and I couldn't give a date on when they'd be open again. So I kind of, it was kind of like my hand was forced in that 
situation so it was quiet but it, I've had a lot of time to sit and design engagement rings and things so I've had quite a few guys get in touch I guess while they've got the time oh, I'm thinking of doing this once lockdown's over so that's been nice I've had time to um, design without running around having things made for a bit but yeah it's starting to thaw out now I've got um, more going on now but it did go it did go quiet mm. and I couldn't really I couldn't really shout about it because of not being able to have things made so I mean that's why it's lucky that I had stock in the US that they could sell and they can sell online that was ready made but yeah because I it's kind of a made to order based business sure so I don't I don't keep a lot of stock so one of the things when your brand gets out there and everyone starts to see this unique beautiful jewelry that you're making is that you've run into people copying your designs yeah <laughs> again we don't need to name or shame anyone but some quite well-known big companies have, <laughs> haven't they yeah yeah I had like one or two years of it just being relentless and like upsetting and being really badly copied and having lawyers involved and you know social media campaigns against people copying me and stuff actually since the most like high profile one I haven't really had any big bad ones since it's quite calmed down I think because it was just so public that maybe it scared people off from copying I don't know but also I've kind of had to change my the way that I think and feel about it it, it was if I chase everyone that's copied or suspected copying it just takes over your life and from my own mental health I had to just be like look if it's absolutely blatant and a definite, definite copy and, you know, really bad, then I will go down the legal route and try and work things out that way. If, because I'm constantly being sent screenshots and things from people saying, oh, look, this is like yours. And a lot of the time I have to go, yep, but whatever. Like, you have to just let pick your battles because it got to the point where I was like spending more time with my lawyers and trying to squash these kind of things than actually spending time designing and running the business and the things that I love about it. So yeah, that's what I learned from that. I mean, the thing with small businesses as well is lawyers are expensive. Yeah. So you can't, physically fight every battle and some of the more high profile ones yeah know. mind you the, the thing with the high profile ones is you're going up against a company that has an infinite pot of money to just keep sending back and forth letters until you run out of money sure. they know you're a small business they know that you you haven't got that store um of money to fight it so they'll just keep going until you kind of die off so i have found that the most successful way of defeating people copying you is the social media route is just to call them out just tag them and say come on tell me why why have you done this explain this and they tend to back down 
pretty quickly when it's that way. There's an account on Instagram called Diet Prada. And that's all they do is they call out copies in the fashion world and whatnot. And that's how I found out about them because they shared our one. And uh, that's kind of how it got a bit of traction. And I ended up speaking to this big brand's lawyer and they backed down and pulled all of the pieces out of stores and all that stuff just based on that. So at least I didn't have to spend the money on the lawyer. It would have been something like 50 grand if I wanted to, if it went into like litigation or whatever you call it. Yeah, that's an insane amount of money. Mm. So that, that's a good tip for everyone. <laughs> social yeah, media, social media yeah, to help reduce your legal fees. Yeah. It worked. I mean, I remember doing a few posts on Dodge Pants and copy your jewellery. So it worked. Yeah. You've got to, I mean, you've got to be sure that that's what's gone on. People say, oh, I've been copied and they send me something that's like fairly generic and not necessarily like, you know, in lawyer speak novel. And when they try and call it out, they're often met with, well, no, look, here's 6,000 other examples of where this same thing has been done. And you've got to make sure that it is, you know, a copy or you, you can prove where they found it to copy it or anything like that if you're going to go if you're going to go down the social media route you've got to make sure you're like certain there was a series of there was a a collection I guess that you did was it called Lucky Numbers Mm -hmm. and it was very very unique and I think it was easy to yeah to see so quite a few challenges then how long have you so you launched in 2015 you said yeah, I mean, this year doesn't count, does it? <laughs> it would it, it, it be five years. It would be five years in October this year, but I just feel like we're writing this year off, aren't we? I think we're just going to put it down politely as the year we all had a rest. Yeah, exactly. It's a DIY. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to just say four years. We'll say, okay, we'll say four years. But in that time as well, one of the things that we don't necessarily associate with luxury brands is not necessarily doing good, doing Mm. something that actually benefits the wider community. And I did want to talk a bit about how you've supported, I'm guessing it's a charity or is it a movement called Bloody Good Period? Uh, Yeah, they are a charity. Uh, That's exactly, exactly why I do feel like I do get the guilt quite often that I have chosen a profession in an industry that is frivolous I guess it's not a necessity it's not necessarily doing any good although arguably out of the fashion industry it's probably the most sustainable in the sense that you know things can be reused recycled melted down etc etc as long as you're careful about the origins of you know your diamonds and stones and stuff like that it's not fast it's not fast fashion it's not it's not as, yeah it's not as fast as as the normal fashion kind of side of things uh, but i do i do get the guilt about it so i have had but i have had to also stop myself from aligning myself with too many charities like every kind of collection i bring out i'm like oh maybe i should donate some of this to this maybe I should, and it will end up being the whole website yeah <laughs> so i have to pick and choose things that i guess mean something to me 
So you chose bloody good period because? So I was personally donating monthly to them anyway when I found out about them. So they're, they're a charity that provides period products for asylum seekers, those that are in need, people who can't afford them. And they used to have an Amazon wish list, but I think that they've changed the way that they do it now. But you can buy products and have them sent to this storage unit and then they sort through them and, and take them to all different centres, I guess. But with this collection, I decided to donate a portion of the profits just to help. It's amazing. It's our responsibility if we've done okay we're doing okay uh to make sure that other people benefit that's what we are all supposed to be doing so any donation big or small counts and more importantly you are associating your brand and helping a charity that may not have otherwise had that coverage i wouldn't have heard of them unless you told me yeah yeah so i think it's really important and i think very poignant given it was World Refugee Day on the 20th of June. There you go. know about, which is a brilliant positive note to end on. So, Jesse, thank you so much. An absolute delight to talk to as always. You too. Thanks um, for having me. Hopefully I'll see you soon. You've been listening to the My Small Business Life podcast produced by Tigris Management. For more information, visit tigrismanagement.com with special thanks to Gareth Shelton of Pop-Up Painting.